Welcome to Vatic Mental Health and Media. I'm Rachel. This is Vaughn. Who wanted to do this one? You. Oh, Rachel. <laughs> okay, Rachel. You are the dream queen. So oh, maybe like you can queen. explain why are we here? Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about dreams, which uh, I think a lot of people find interesting and a lot of people in the psychology world especially find it interesting. And um, none of us are dream experts by any means. We've all learned about it some in classes and in personal research, but this is more about just our thoughts with dreams, our experiences with dreams. Um, maybe we'll touch on why they're still so mysterious. Yeah. So I guess I can start with my personal experience. Um, I have dreams pretty much every night that I remember right when I wake up. And then I usually forget them within a couple minutes if I don't tell someone what happened. And most of the time they're kind of like nonsense. But the feeling I have during and after the dream is very relevant to my life. Like if I'm anxious at a certain time in my life, I feel very anxious in my dreams. And I feel anxious when I wake up from my dreams even though the content of the dream doesn't really make any sense. And I've also had some experiences, which we can touch on later, where I feel like something happens in my dream and it has a certain tone that makes it very memorable. And then that ends up happening in real life later. So we can touch on that later. But yeah, I think dreams are very interesting. What do you guys think? It's really weird for me in that... Because when I was a kid, I don't remember any dreams. I only remember nightmare. My very first nightmare, probably like I was like five, and me and my parents were at a farm, and there were clowns that showed up and turned everybody into chicken nuggets, and they're going to eat my parents after they turned them into chicken nuggets. And like, I ran, <laughs> and like I ran down the hall into my parents' room. And I was trying to explain what was happening, and they're like, "Dude, there's no clowns. I'm not chicken nuggets. What's going on?" And like, that's like my first conscious that. memory of the world of dreams. <laughs> and then I guess I feel that's like hilarious. nightmares probably got more meta and realized I got older. But I think once I hit like high school through undergrad, I just don't have any conscious memory of. And I think it wasn't until maybe like a year or so ago that they kind of started again. And I can almost see this almost like a whole multiverse where as you can kind of start seeing how all of them are connected or that deja vu. Like, wait, I've been here before. It's like, oh, wait a second. I dreamed this location and this guy sometime in the past. Let's kind of pick up where we left off. And whether you're talking lucid dreaming or just my dream self knows where he is or where they are. Um, and kind of branching from there, but yeah, I was super into like dream interpretations, palm reading, runes, all of that stuff when I was a kid. So I had a dream journal that I kept track of everything, and it's really cringy to to read some of them now because it mostly was about like the Jonas Brothers and stuff. So. I, I was having good dreams as a kid, I guess. But like the ones that kind of what you were saying, Vaughn, the ones I can remember from when I was a kid are like reoccurring nightmares. Um, and 
I still, I'll get them occasionally now, which is really weird. But one that I remember, which was just like weird as hell, is that a volcano exploded and it was like, we were on like the foundation of my house, me and my family, but there was just lava coming around everything. And so that was really weird. And the other one was that like at a certain time each day, like this weird entity would go through the entire neighborhood and you had to like hide under the covers and you couldn't like come out or like if they saw you that you would get killed or whatever. It's kind of like bird box. So those were weird. I don't know. I feel very morbid saying that following the cloud and chicken nugget story. (laughs) That's like a calmer one. I think like on the flip side, I think is really probably around the start of maybe a lot of my mentally troubled care personality traits. Now I just keep thinking like this recurring dream like every year, like the same month, same time of the month, there would be like this. I know it's super bizarre, but there's like rock monsters and trying to find parents. Pretty much, it would just always kind of just leave of just like this, you know, like stranded at the airport or something like that. So it's weird to just kind of see both the metaphor or the realism. And one thing that would be cool to kind of the conversation is I have like a few highlights from our boy Carl Young's key principles of dream analysis. I think there's like like nine or fourteen, but I think I only wrote down like four, but because we're not going to be here for hours. But um, I think the first one that I saw that was really cool was the statement, take dreams as facts. They are what they are. Um, And then from there, it kind of goes into say, the conscious mind may immediately reject what the dream is versus just taking the dream as a thing. And it is what it is. That just happens to reflect the subconscious. Um, And that kind of opens up a whole rabbit hole of where people take that statement. I think that's interesting. I sometimes try to dispute my dreams after the fact if I don't like them, which is often. I guess I should have said this in the intro. I have bad dreams pretty much every night. It's very rare for me to have like a good dream. And sometimes, I mean, I'm I'm used to it. So sometimes I just like move on with my day, but every once in a while the dream will be so bad that it affects me. And then I think about it all day and I try to, I guess, kind of dispute what happened or try to figure out what happened and interpret it. And I think that's an interesting starting point that you just said, Vaughn, of just being like, well, it is what it is. And it was your subconscious manifesting something in your dream. And then like go from there, like that's a level of acceptance that I don't always have when I am particularly disturbed by my dream. Is that because you think the dream is foreshadowing or projecting something that will happen to you or is happening? Or how does that kind of balance between the dream speaking and you rejecting? Um... Yeah, that's a good question. I think I do have dreams that end up being foreshadowing, which I've mentioned earlier, but I think the reason I don't always accept them is that my dreams will be like the worst version of my reality. Like it'll take something I feel in my like awake life and take a problem I actually have or like a sad thing that's actually happening and it'll make it 10 times worse and it'll make it what my worst fear is, I guess. Like if I'm sad about a relative dying in my dream the sadness will be so much stronger and I'll never get over it and I can't get through it and even though the content of the dream is weird and hard to explain and just like random parts of my day shoved into the dream 
how I feel as the person living the dream is like that intense sadness about that relative dying that in my awake life I'm afraid won't go away. Does that make sense? I don't know if I explained that in a cohesive way. Basically just like in my dreams, it's not really about what's happening. It's more about how I feel. Like I dream in like first person, like I don't see myself. I know some people dream and they see themselves living. I'm like living out my dreams. So I always think they're real in them. And it's not about what I'm doing. It's about how I feel as a person in the dream. And then I wake up and it's hard for me to like reconcile the fact that that was a dream and that I don't have to feel like that all day. And that even though what was making me feel like that in the dream is real in my life, it's you know not as black and white as it felt in the dream. So. I think acceptance maybe could be good, but I don't I don't want to accept them all the time because they're not they're not nice dreams. <laughs> they don't feel good. I can definitely relate to like what you said, the like certain things that I'm scared or anxious about being amplified in my dream because I have like reoccurring mm -hmm. sometimes nightmares about certain things that are like amplifications of things that I constantly am anxious about in real life. So I definitely understand that. And then there are times where it just, it feels so real that you wake up and you're like, how is that not yeah. real? Yeah. Or I've had dreams where I've woken up in the dream and then lived out my day and then I woke okay. up again, you know, like some inception mm -hmm. stuff. And that's even weirder because I'm like, was Ed, like, what was real? Did I imagine this? Mm -hmm. Like... Was that yesterday? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to me how fragile our consciousness is. Like, mm -hmm. we just have, like, a weird dream like that and we're so thrown off. Like, it's, it's funny. It happens to me, too. Whenever I take a nap, <laughs> I always have a dream that I'm waking up from the nap and doing what I have to do next in my life. And then I actually wake up from the nap and I'm like, what the, like, what's going on? But it only happens with naps. Weird. It doesn't happen in my normal life. Weird. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> yeah. It's so odd. It just kind of makes you wonder when people get into the world of dream interpretation, how much of that is kind of dependent on metaphors and then how many of those metaphors are kind of dependent on people being culturally within the norm. For example, I know several times a week, I'll usually like wake up in the middle of the night after being like stabbed. It's never just like, oh yeah, just like a stab stab. It's like a whole sword or impalement or something. And like a lot of like the articles will say things like fear being betrayed or, and it's a whole backstabbing kind of imagery for me. This has never really been, I've never really used that expression. It's never really been a huge part of it. It's like how I see the world or how, I guess my psyche and how I'll characterize experiences and stuff like that. So, which kind of opens up the even a bigger question of like the interpretations usually are dependent on somebody kind of internalizing these expressions or these colloquialisms. That's a good point. Um, that's always been something that like I've always been like cautious about the different theories and different people that like are really into the dream interpretation as I feel like it's so subjective and it depends so much on not only like the person interpreting the dreams for you but the person experiencing the dreams 
And so it's really hard for me to like accept that there's like one specific way to interpret dreams if they actually have these deeper meanings. Because you're right, I feel like it is so person and culturally specific, the different things that you're experiencing. Yeah, I've always thought about it as um, kind of like Sedona said, I don't totally buy the sort of generalized interpretations that are out there about what certain things mean. They could be true, I guess, but I think about it as more like, what does a dream mean to you? Like, what are you taking away from it? Because at the end of the day, your mind creating the dream, you inside your head are experiencing the dream. And then you're thinking about it when you wake up and interpreting it. So it's, and you felt the feelings of the dream. Like it's more like, what does it mean to you? So like, I've, I've been someone to pay attention to my dreams. Like I said, there is a certain tone of a dream that I have that doesn't happen very often, but it's very memorable and I pay attention to it. And I've been known to act based off of dreams that feel that way, but I would never tell someone else to make a decision based off of a dream or anything. Like I just know like within my own experience of life, there's a certain type of dream that tends to be kind of foreshadowing. And but when it comes to just sort of my general bad dreams I have, usually I, I guess I take it as like, oh, I need to work on my anxiety more or I need to process this thing in my life more. But I, I just, I don't take it as like truth or like hard fact. Yeah, I, th- I think my point is, I don't know how much I believe in someone else interpreting someone's dream. I think maybe you could walk someone through interpreting their own dream, but I think it just kind of means what it means to you. And I think there are people who decide their dreams don't mean anything and that's totally fine. That's really cool what you just said. Um, so one of the individuals kind of walk, doing a walkthrough of Young's point said the following quote, the unconscious has a way of strangling an analyst in their own theory, which for me that just like is such a cool imagery. And he's going into one of the second, I guess, principles of dream analysis is like an order to remain humble because dreams by nature are really blurry. Young was almost kind of describing it as opening a book in a language you can't read versus the answer hidden behind a wall. A lot of times it's like, okay, so let me just sort through the confusion, sort through the dancing dinosaurs and top hats and mustaches, and I'll find the true meaning versus the dream is dancing dinosaurs in a top hat with twirly mustaches. There's nothing behind that. You're either going to be able to interpret that and figure out the code within that secret language or it's just going to be lost to you. Yeah, I think a succinct way to say what I was trying to say is that um, I think dream interpretation should be subjective, not objective. And I think it should be pretty personalized as well, which is what you're getting at, Colin. So you guys don't believe what Freud said, that every dream has to do with sex in one way or another? No? I mean, everything has to deal with (laughs) sex one way or another. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> I, I tend to stray pretty far away from Freudian's fixation on sex but that is my personal opinion <laughs> I think we can just say that he lived in a time where there was probably a significant amount of sexual repression there's still plenty of it today and that was how it manifested in his life right for anyone who's listening, who's like a huge Freudian, we don't hate Freud. He uh, contributed positive things to this field, but in the cigar industry, some of his ideas in our industry, yes, 
but some of his ideas do not line up with our ideas. <laughs> yes. Did, have either of you heard the liturgist episode on sex magic? Is it the sex witch one? Yeah. I listened no. to some of it, but not all of it. You would like it, Sedan. You should listen to that one. It was so cool. Okay. Okay. Okay, that's homework to all of the listeners. Yes, watch the listen to the liturgist. We love the liturgist. Particularly the sex witch episode. I, I'm intrigued already. I'm intrigued already. But I think that actually kind of opens a doorway back into dreams. All right, thank you, <laughs> um, as, uh, The whole, I guess, gist of sex magic is because there's two different camps. There's camp one where you have an individual who might say um, you can literally channel the energy during sexual activity to change reality, whether that be I'm going to channel this energy for a promotion at work. Okay. Um, weird thing to use sex for. <laughs> <laughs> Am I <finished? laughs> Keep going. <laughs> And then there's the second one, which kind of gets into a lot more of the psychological um, cognitive behavioral approaches where let's say you want to improve your personality and be a nicer person. Let's say you would have the word nice. For some people, they would take those words and rearrange them into a different letter or symbol. And you keep rearranging until you have almost like a rune out of that word nice. And you're kind of studying that and internalizing that. So then during sexual activity, you'd be explicitly focusing on whether that be niceness or, or peacefulness or whatever. Because you're kind of talking about creating your own reality through the, the energy that sex provides in the world, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I was just thinking, that was the connection I was making was that in dreams, your subconscious is literally creating its own reality. And then when you are awake, and fully conscious, then it's your decision how much of that reality you accept and what you might want to change about your own reality because of what you saw in your head while you were sleeping. Mm-hmm. Thinking back to Leonardo DiCaprio's um, Inception, which I was actually going to watch in preparation and life happened, but just the whole idea that people create these huge elaborate worlds that if you can somehow get inside someone's head, are able to be navigated like rooms in a house. Um, and then I guess for those who aren't familiar with Inception, it's about essentially dream thieves where they can artificially create almost like a whole world inside of somebody's dreams or enter the world that's in someone's dream um, to go in and find the vault within their dream world where they keep their secrets and um, steal those secrets, usually for government or politicians or Mm -hmm. spy stuff like that. Um, And they can also, like, plant ideas into a person's head that'll, like, yeah, that'll, like, slowly... Through that dream, it'll work its way into their real life, and they'll think it's their idea. Um. (laughs) That is very scary. It's a really good movie. Work its way into their real life. What if that's what's happening to me when I listen to my dreams? (laughs) 
So it's just controlling me. We're just in a simulation. That does sound good. That's one of past me's favorite movie, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Came out in 2010. Bigger is thinking of ISF dreams are usually kind of a window into the subconscious and the subconscious. Um, again, thinking of Jung, he has the personal subconscious, which is what's in your own head, and there's a sub collective unconscious where everybody can join into, where if you step out of psychology into a spiritual lens, you might have that collective unconscious as God or the universe or prana. And I'm thinking, have you seen any ways that you think dreams kind of become similar throughout different people? We talked a little bit about this, mm -hmm. the individualness of it, but in ways it kind of equals Connected. everything out. I did read that there are some like themes across dreams that show up in like different populations and different cultures, but I didn't read too much into it to know like what exactly those themes are. But I'm sure they go back to the like power, fear, you know, kind of those freedom. like freedom, deep seated yeah. like wants and needs that are kind of like primal in all humans that just like manifest themselves differently in each individual person. Yeah, that's a good idea. I also think what makes dreams more collective is like the the shared like feelings that people have in dreams. Like I think most people have had some sort of dream where they're running really late to something and they're anxious about it the whole dream. Or I know it's common for people who have dreams when they're adults where they're like back in college and they're like failing a class or something like that. Like I will still sometimes get dreams where I like miss the bus even though I'm like <laughs> six years out of high school, <laughs> seven years out of high school. So um, mm -hmm. I guess six. I, I guess I think that's like the collective nature of it. But also my perspective is that my dreams, there's not a clear storyline most of the time. Like I can pull out one moment, I guess, and talk about it, but it doesn't make sense enough for me to think anyone's having a dream that's even similar. But the the feeling I have in the dream, the feeling I have after the dream, I feel like that's not unique to me at all. I think that's pretty common. It's funny what you mentioned the school thing. I think um, in my... I forget what it's called, like, the very last class you have to take in a program in undergrad. Capstone. Yeah, the, my capstone, well, my, my capstone in philosophy, one of the last classes, the professor was just like, have you guys had the dream yet? And he was just, we were like, what? It was like a dream when you're either back in high school or you're in undergrad and you're about to graduate and you realize that you never showed up for one of the core requirements and now you either can't graduate or you had to try to figure out how to get this these credits within like the last <laughs> few weeks and everyone's like oh my god and i just like if you haven't had it yet you're going to have it after you graduate or some point down the road um and it was just like and that was just so weird it's like everyone in the room was just yeah. like whoa i thought that was just a me thing um and you know the thing of this you're saying like the feeling in the dream Random question, so I know you said you dream in first person. Are you guys women in your dreams? Yeah, I'm myself. 
Totally. My dreams look exactly like my life looks, and I feel the same as I do in my life. Whoa. If that makes sense. That's so weird. But it settings will be different in my dream, and, like, I I will know it's supposed to be my apartment, but it looks totally different. But my, like, identity is exactly the same in my dreams, which is, I think, part of the reason I mess with my head so much, because it, I don't feel like a different person in my dreams. That is weird. What about you, Sedona? Yeah, for for me, it's like a mixture. Sometimes I'm myself and I'm like, like you said, in first person, like experiencing everything. Sometimes I am like floating above myself, watching a scene yeah. happen, but I'm still feeling mm-hmm. everything. And sometimes I'm a different person or I'm like someone that I like oh. know. And I have been a guy in my dreams a few times, which is weird. (laughs) I don't know what that means, if you guys have any ideas. Well, that's interesting. Vaughn, are you always a man? Why did you ask that question? Oh, yeah, because I think the... It's been... I'm in a similar thing with Sedona, where sometimes I am first person, but even if I'm me, it's not conscious like oh i am vaughn it's just like it just happened to be first person mm-hmm. and either sometimes stuff is real sometimes it's like completely random or fantasy but it's interesting is when i did start doing the dream journal last year it's still almost impossible because it's like i'm in the dream but it's also like this world or experience kind of happening around me that i'm also watching and the mm. suspense, the joy, the terror, all of that seems to be so sensory. Almost kind of like if you watch a horror movie, you have the lighting, you have the music, you have all this stuff. Then when she just mm-hmm. writes down the plot, you're like, what? That's not. Um, whether it's a yeah. scary dream, a cool dream, or whatever. Um, but flipping into kind of what you were just asking with first-person dreams where it is very clearly I am a person, it's weird where usually I'm kind of just whatever, but I usually, usually let's say I'm a dude, but if I'm lucid dreaming, I'm a woman or some type of non-binary being. Interesting. And, that's, and I haven't ran into anybody who's usually just like, People or dudes like, oh, I dream as a dude, or vice versa, but um, I haven't run into anybody who dreams as a gender they don't identify with, slash mm-hmm. just kind of flows all between. But I see my conscious self as like, okay, I could, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but um, it was just weird almost seeing that kind of, I don't know, affirmation or whatever within the subconscious of just like, oh, you're whatever. Hmm. That's very interesting. I haven't thought about that before because I don't, I never dream in a different body or gender or anything. So that's very interesting. I think it'd make it, I guess that probably would add a whole layer of uh, potential analysis afterward, but I think that might make my problem of not letting go of dreams as a false reality. That would make that problem a little easier if I wasn't myself, how I see myself in the mirror. But 
That's very interesting. Yeah. It's very weird. And I, I agree, Vaughn. It's like such a sensory experience that if I tried to write it down, it wouldn't like capture what I was feeling in that moment in the dream. Because I've definitely had dreams where I've like been semi-conscious and I've been like, oh my God, this would be like a great plot for like a book. I should totally write this down when I wake up. Like just this huge like mega fantasy series like and then I wake up and I don't remember any of it and I'm like well there goes my <laughs> my book deal I guess that's just a struggle like I was I started laughing yeah. as Rachel's talking because I pulled up against one of the things I read and it's just interesting that like with so many of them they start in real life or elements of real life mm-hmm. and then by the end it's just completely mutated to where like Midsummer, we were trying to get more roommates moving into my house. Um, and what had happened, so I guess during that time, I was dreaming that the situation's going on. My landlord's the same. My old roommate is the same. But the house is like this Victorian-style mansion, which is very similar to a hoarder house I helped clean out when I was a kid. It's like, okay. And then it's going, but then like okay. stuff, little weird things keep happening. Like all the rooms are just miraculously just clean. And it's like, oh, that's super weird. And apparently, like, the landlord had these weird maids just kind of just doing it perfectly because he didn't trust us to clean. And it's like, okay, there are some boundary issues with them. Maybe this kind of makes sense. Um, and then as we're still going, um, it's just, again, where we're just like, yo, um, they're messing our, with our stuff just – get out of the way, let us do the thing. Um, and then um, next thing you know, it's kind of like I'm the landlord and I'm in this, go into the room and like the mage just disappear. He's looking up and like the music gets super creepy and the lighting gets dark and the camera starts panning and he's like looking into steering like, um, yeah. what's next master? And then apparently there's like these weird like, archaic silver silver runes hanging from the ceiling. Um, and this whole thing with trying to get new tenants in the house is part of like some other type of supernatural plot. Then he turns into light and becomes one of those hanging runes. Um, and then um, I don't want to spoil this for when I get my book deal. So I'm going to stop there. But like then from there, it completely goes this like... Um, horror, <laughs> fantasy, supernatural storyline. And then I wake up in the middle of the night after um, I die. And then when I come back in, it starts off with almost like another childhood slash modern memory, which then morphs into a super random thing of, I guess, a similar genre. So it's weird in that like I can look at the timeline and see peak pull out so many things from my conscious experience but the whole as like maybe like not even a skeleton but maybe just like dotted line but that entire line is just like so all the muscle and bone that kind of goes around that cord is completely just gets more and more mutated as it goes along 
That is fascinating. To me, that's very obvious that you are a writer, Vaughn, and a fiction writer. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't dream like that at all. Nothing I dream would be even mildly interesting as fiction. So I really, that's really cool. I like how your mind works. So when you guys have different dreams that are, like, in places that you've been... Are they like where you are now or do you have a lot of them from your childhood? Because all of my like weird nightmares are in my childhood home that I grew up in and Mm. like the neighborhood and it's really weird. Mm. Like I don't have any from like the house that we moved to when I was like 15. They're all from when I was a kid. Interesting. That's so interesting. Um, Well, I was thinking about this when Vaughn was talking, actually. A lot of the settings of my dreams, like, in the dream, I know where I am. Like, I know I'm in my current apartment. I know I'm in my mom's house, whatever. But it looks very different. And that's, like, a huge theme with my dream, even with people. Like, I know I'm talking to Mm -hmm. my aunt, but she looks nothing like my aunt, but I don't realize that until I wake up. So that's how my settings are for most of my dreams. It'll be like in present day places, but it'll look different. But I do have some, like a couple reoccurring kind of dreams where I'm back at the first house I ever lived in as a kid in Michigan that we left when I was like eight And the house looks exactly the same, and so does the neighborhood. And that's, like, one of the, like, preserved settings in my dreams, and they're always, like, kind of nightmarish. So that's that's my, like, connection point to what you said, Sedona. But that's interesting. I definitely dream about my, like, current settings in life. But, yeah, some of the bad ones will be back in that first house I lived in. What about you, Vaughn? I think... A lot of what I dream about, if I can clearly trace, if there is a clear footprint to the real world, um, if just one world is real, um, it is going to be back in Ohio. I don't think I've dreamed anything in Minnesota since I've been out to Minnesota. Um, And when I was in Ohio, I didn't have a whole lot of dreams in that location. There maybe were a few that kind of would trace back to New Jersey. Um, but for most of the time, I really just didn't dream just for years. Um, or rather, I just didn't have any memory of dreams. But what's really interesting, thinking back to even just like, what I remember most is just these sensations, whether that be being stabbed or just like this, I don't know what it is. This entity of creature is almost kind of just like jumping on me and just like, but like always wake up before you guess whatever terrible thing happens, happens. Um, or even this. So having, I just keep thinking back to this documentary I saw when I was like nine or 10 about Vladimir Dracul the third, um, mm-hmm. who some say they based Dracula off of, who was just who was a cannibal, who drank blood, and, like, um, was super hardcore into impaling people. Um, So, like, outside of his castle was just a whole forest of spikes. 
Um, for um, I'm gonna stop. Looks like Rachel's not okay. <laughs> but oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're, you're talking about. The two of your reactions Rachel, are completely different. But like <laughs> that, like <laughs> yeah, this is great. So Donna's like, yeah, I've known about this for years, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> that like freaked me out to like I just. Couldn't. Almost like every waking day, I just imagine this that sensation of just the, <laughs> and then paired later down the road, the first time I tried watching Lord of the Rings, um, mm-hmm. that scene where as the people run in and they like try to stab the beds, um, and like thankfully like there were just blankets, <laughs> and I guess they were actually gone. But then there was just every time I lay down, there's just that sensation of either like someone coming in, and going yoink. Or that, so I think for whatever reason, just that visual and this imag- having such a vivid imagination, um, I'm curious maybe even that's what has that essentially on replay as the um, in simulation button for what I'm dreaming as an adult right? versus maybe say the you're afraid someone's going to stab you or betray you. Um, like the New York yeah. Times <laughs> and people like that will speculate. Yeah, I think that's that's very interesting, Vaughn. And I did not like that story about that person, but <laughs> um, I think your point gets to what I was saying earlier about how I think interpretation should be very individual because... You just said someone on the outside could be like, oh, you have a deep fear of being stabbed and impaled. But from your experience of your life, you're like, oh, no, it's probably because this thing kind of upset me when I was young and it took me a while to, like, really move on from it. And I think, yeah, I, I think I just want to caution people if you're, like, going to spend a lot of money on someone interpreta- interpreting your dreams, like, maybe reconsider and do some self-reflection on it instead but it's just my opinion yeah i feel like in general interpreting dreams requires a lot of like self-reflection and in-depth analysis of where you are now and where you came from yeah and i think it relates what you're saying sedona relates to my personal philosophy of therapy at this point in my life, which is like the therapist is there to help the client interpret their life and heal from trauma and process hard things and move forward how they want to. But it's so much less about what the therapist knows and so much more about how the therapist can support the client in getting to where they need to go and like the answers in the client, like that sort of mentality. And I, I view dream interpretation the same way. Like it, going back to the therapy example, if I have a client and they tell me about when their mother died and I have my own, you know, assumptions about what that meant for them, it doesn't really matter what I think if it doesn't line up with what they think. So I need to listen to how it felt for them and how they interpreted it and what it meant for them. Even things that are sort of universal like death or love or loss and those things that we all experience everyone still experiences them different so it's important to to listen to someone's interpretation 
of their own experience. And I think the same is true for dreams if you are wanting to interpret it in any way. I think it it doesn't matter what I think about Sedona's dream. It matters what she thinks about her dream and what it means to her. And I think someone like a therapist could probably, or even a friend, could help guide you through that process of figuring out what it means to you. But I'm not sure how much an outside person could just tell you what it means. Real quickly, can we talk about dreams that are like foreshadowing? Yes. Okay, so that's funny you say that because I was going to say something. And I was like, oh, um, I don't want to completely get us off topic. But <laughs> um, there's two things come to head. Like one hand, I know I've had foreshadowing dreams and that have been a really major shift in a you need to kind of get this in order, whether that be with a relationship mm-hmm. or something like that. Um and it is just that external revelation epiphany of like, whoa, didn't know that. Let me act accordingly. Um, and I think that kind of just blends a lot with people sometimes getting lost in the blurriness of a dream and kind of what we were saying at the beginning of this all, diving and scrounging for a deeper meaning behind untranslatable text of events. Or I'm thinking of, I think it was like my freshman year of college when I was happily single, um, coasting through on my anti-sexual, <laughs> um, I'm just working on my education and making bank um, and getting a husky by the beach, which now I realize is not a good combo. But anyway. Um, no. And then like... A family member who's not like an even not an even immediate family member just called me out of the blue and was just like, "Hey, I had this dream that you got this girl pregnant," um, and then proceeded to give like a very long, detailed conversation about human sexuality and um, women can be sexual too. You need to watch out keep yourself pure, um, always be safe. And this is like a whole long, like convoluted things. And at this point, I'm like 20. Actually, no, it's 19. But either way, I was just like, well, one, you're not my mom. <laughs> I was just like, two. Um, right now, I'm happily not involved with anybody. The most sexual relationship I have in my life right now is honey barbecue Frito twist. And that's about it. That's um, about it. However, I know for that individual um, and within their maybe some things that happened within their life or their religious organization, so many other things, the importance of not getting somebody pregnant, especially with just the importance of education within my family, I guess, within nuclear and extended. I can make sense. I can, I can easily trace the combo of ingredients that may have led to that dream. But the assumption of this is foreshadowing Vaughn's out here slaying it (laughs) popular with the ladies, not using protection, um, was a complete sentiment of fiction that, really couldn't be a foreshadowing of anything so that's yeah kind of getting back to what you said i think some things can be foreshadowing some things we just read 
too much into. Yeah. Um, well, my experience with foreshadowing, I, I think there's like a couple levels of it for me. Like on the one hand, I do feel deja vu quite often with, you know, just like maybe three to five seconds of my life, maybe upwards of, you know, 10 seconds. I'm like, wait, I've been here before. And I know exactly what someone is about to say word for word before they say it. And it ends up being true. And it's weird. But those those aren't moments I think about until they happen. Like, it's not a significant moment of a dream that I remember until it happens. So I don't know if that's like a multiverse thing or if it's just I'm foreshadowing in my dreams or what's happening. But then I have kind of like Vaughn was getting into where... I almost see what might happen if I don't take care of something I'm avoiding usually. Like like I will see a relationship ending if I don't confront someone about something. So then in my real life, I'm like, yeah, this is something I've been thinking about for a while. So I should probably just do this because it's showing up in my dreams now. So that's the level where I don't really know if it would have come true or not because I tend to take action. But then I have this like other section of my dreams that does not happen very often where it is so vivid and realistic and lifelike and it makes such an impression on me that I'm pretty confident it's the future and I can think of like three examples of that the one I'll share is that the person who's my best friend now I had a dream that we would be best friends before we were and that's pretty weird and um just for, you know, I guess vulnerability's sake and just showing that I'm a person and I can do weird things. Um, I had this dream about this girl I knew growing up and we were friendly, but we weren't close friends. And I, a few years ago, had this very vivid dream where she was becoming one of my closest friends and she was helping me through very specific things that were going on in my life. And I could not shake the dream when I woke up. I was thinking about it all day. It felt so important. So I reached out to her after not talking to her for years and was literally just like, hey, I had this dream about you. Do you want to like hang out? Like, I know this is super weird. And she was down and we, you know, just, I wasn't trying to force it. Like if she said no, it would have been fine. I, it just made such an impression on me. I felt I needed to act on it. And when we hung out, it wasn't like fireworks. It was just like, okay, yeah, like this is fine. And then we hung out a couple more times and then we actually did become best friends. I'm confident I would not have reached out to her if I didn't have that dream. This is someone from, who was from my past, who I was not talking to and had never been close to before. So I'm so thankful that that happened. And I know she is too. And um, I've had other dreams like that with like significant relationships in my life that kind of encourage me to be open-minded about a person maybe I wouldn't have like decided to pursue a friendship or a relationship with, but I don't know. Those dreams are very interesting to me. And yeah. I feel like I sound crazy, but also like it, these things happen. And yeah, I don't know. Makes sense, like thinking whether it be within dreams or even just within different creative expressions where you see almost that prophetic visionary thing where I was thinking yeah. of um, my resident director back in undergrad. He had this dream of essentially the Detective Pikachu trailer 
almost like scene for scene, he was telling us about this. And we're like, oh, that's crazy. They're never going to make a Detective Pikachu thing. And like, he was like, Ryan Reynolds was playing Pikachu. Oh and God. like, he had like super, super detailed. And then like maybe a year later, the actual trailer came out. Crazy. And it was like exactly what was his dream. And it was just like, whoa. Like, is Mike a psychic? Is he a problem with this? Is crazy. What you were saying, Rachel, just reminded me of this episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. Every episode where, goes um, back to Avatar The Last Airbender on this Every podcast. episode goes back to Avatar. <laughs> um, and I guess for those who aren't familiar, get familiar. I'm not going <laughs> to try to summarize, but never mind. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. But essentially, you had the protagonist, Aang. He's trying to find a teacher to teach him all four elements, air, earth, fire, and water, so he can um, have the power to defeat the evil Fire Lord. And he's really struggling to find an earthbending teacher. And as he falls asleep, because he has to use the Avatar, and he can kind of go through all the worlds, his spirit slips into the spirit world, and like he sees this girl kind of just running. Um, and then... He's like, oh, that's kind of weird. And then as they're traveling, he later sees this girl um, in a completely different location. But he's like, oh, that's girl from my dream. She's going to be my earthbending teacher. And then she's like, bro, I, it's kind of creepy you're dreaming about me. Back off. Got my own things to worry about. And then it's over time. Um, they become friends and she becomes his earthbending teacher and the series goes forward. But what you were just saying about your best friend that just reminded me almost like scene for scene of um, Aang in the swamp dreaming about Earth. What about you, yeah. Sedona, the Don, the Yona? Sedona. Sedva. <laughs> yes, all the things. Sedva. Um, yeah, I haven't had any like in-depth ones. Like you said, you kind of had like those yeah. different layers of them, but I've definitely felt like after something happens in my real life, I like remember mm -hmm. dreaming about it and it's not something tangible mm -hmm. and I've never like had it manifest to the point where like I could predict what was going to happen beforehand mm -hmm. but it's always something after that I've ha been like I just dreamed about that like I can vividly remember the dream and it happening and it's just like a really weird experience mm -hmm. um but I feel like the other experience that I've had is that I've had like I don't know if it was like a spirit or a demon or a ghost or whatever haunt my dreams for a, a year, two years, a year and a half, kind of. Really? Was it the same? Yeah, one? I vividly remember. I had the same dream, like, at this almost exact same time every night because I'd wake up at the same time, like, three or four nights a week where I was laying in bed and there was, like, this demon woman hanging upside down from my closet, just, like, banshee screaming at me. Bent neck lady? No, but it freaked me out. That Maybe that's why subconsciously the vet neck lady freaked me the fuck out so much. But yeah, that sounds a lot like that. Yeah, and it <laughs> happened 
it happened where I lived two years ago and like got really, That's really so bad scary. where I lived last year. And now like since I moved, nothing. And so I don't know if it was like where I was living or if it followed me or like if I it's done now or if it'll come back because I'm manifesting it. Um, yeah, but I definitely I feel like I've had those dreams like where I'm in That's the exact crazy. same spot and there's some sort of entity in my dream because it happens. And those are the ones that I'm very like vividly myself in my apartment or in someone yeah. else's house, like very surreal. So I don't know if anyone else has experienced that. Have either of you seen Marion? <laughs> what, Vaughn? Have either of you seen Marion? No. Oh, I'm tearing up already. We need to do an episode on that. So, we are definitely need to do an episode on yeah. this. Should uh, I usually tell people to just go in blind, yeah. but for, I guess, the sake of us, I guess I'll say a little bit about what it's about. Um, it's a French Netflix original series. I think it's better to watch it with the French audio and then just, but like the English audio is just as good, I guess. But it's about this one woman where as she was a kid, she would have these horrible nightmares about this demon woman named Marion kind of coming into her nightmares. And then eventually she just started writing her nightmares into novels mm -hmm. and as the more she wrote, the dreams just went away. So now she's in her 30s and she's at a book signing and she officially finishes the Marion series and she's not going to write anymore. And then Marion shows up in real life and starts terrorizing her life. And it's just like, bitch, you better keep writing about me or the nightmares are starting up again where we left off. Oh, God. So I think it's... It was definitely freakier than Hill House. Yeah, that sounds very freaky. It wasn't like, I can't go to sleep, I'm peeing myself. <laughs> but it was, psychologically, <laughs> it was just fascinating. It was just so well yeah. done. There were only a couple scenes where I was just mm. like, oh my god. But like, for the most part, I think I was living yeah. alone, watching it at during the day. <laughs> with my window open but by the time it was time to go to sleep I could sleep um, but um, that's interesting we'll have to do an episode on that Yeah, I have some thoughts <laughs> um, one yeah. Sedona that's crazy not that you're crazy but that would be a crazy yeah. experience to have um, I'm glad it's not happening right now mm -hmm. two I definitely think we should do an episode on like ghosts and spirits and that kind of thing because that's very interesting and then three taking it back to dreams maybe this could be a good like wrap up from what i know of the three of us you guys can correct yeah. me but i think we're all pretty intuitive people and pretty like go with your gut people um and i have been wondering this whole episode of that is why we have like deja vu experiences and sort of foreshadowing experiences in our dreams? Like, is it because we are so in tune with something? Or do you think it's maybe more random in the world who 
has sort of connected foreshadowing dreams and who doesn't. Do you have any thoughts? I think both. I think mm-hmm. everybody does. I think it's that intuitive nature that makes you pay attention um, mm-hmm. to things more. Interesting. Like, I can... Yeah. It's where it's like, I'll meet somebody, and then, like, right after I meet them, I'll just have this super weird, like, I feel like I've met that person before. And then part of me is like, dude, because that just happened two minutes ago, you're just thinking about the past. But that whole deja vu feeling is way stronger, then I just kind of spirals off <laughs> where other people are probably just going to be, oh, that was weird. Let me go get a taco. Um, so I think it's that combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that intuitive people, I think you're more aware of different things that go on and maybe you're more like open to it. Just for me personally, mm-hmm. like I am very in tune with like in environments and like different groups of people and like I can kind of sense like, oh, this is a group of people that has like bad energy versus good energy versus this Mm -hmm. class or this day is going to go good or bad based on like what everyone's bringing in Mm -hmm. and I just like vibe check yeah vibe check um (laughs) and so I don't know if that just like can extend to like I'm more open and aware of like oh I'm having this very significant like deja vu feeling or very significant feeling I need to pay attention to it versus just like blowing it off but yeah that makes sense yeah thank you for it's interesting me. yeah I was just wondering if if us talking about that would be a little inaccessible to other people like I didn't know if it was like a an us kind of thing and people would listen and be like these people are crazy you know Right. Which I guess could still happen. Right. That's fine. Maybe when people we, listen to this. Maybe we are crazy. It's fine. It's okay. Life's a simulation and there are other episodes <laughs> that won't just be about us <laughs> ranting about our, our subconscious. Dreams. Well, on that note, we will see you <laughs> next week on one of those episodes. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>